The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Welcome to Matlana. I would be Matt or Matlana. I didn't give myself the nickname. I earned the nickname. Let's not waste any time. Let's get to this week's edition of Welcome to Matlana. All right, so let's get a picture of, uh, let's say, 10 or 12-year-old Ron Gant. What kind of baseball player were you? What kind of athlete overall were you? Well, I mean, you know, as soon as I could walk, my dad um, would take my brother and I out in the backyard and throw to us and uh, you know, we throw, play catch together and swing the bat together and all that stuff. So at an early age, I was introduced to baseball. Um, and I just remember growing up and just always playing with all the kids in the neighborhood. We were always outside growing up in South Texas. Uh, it's pretty mild through the, through the winters there. So we, uh, we could play outside all the time and we were just always outside playing sports. So I was just a, a sports nut as soon as I could walk. Was baseball the first love, or did you have a football or basketball uh, love that took precedent? Actually, to tell you the truth, I loved football at first just because my dad was a huge Dallas Cowboys fan, and we'd sit there and watch the games with him. So I kind of grew up a Cowboys fan uh, and, and loving football. But, you know, again, as soon as, you know, as soon as I, I found out that, you know, I had some pretty good hands and, and, and hand-to-eye coordination, I could play baseball. I, I knew I was really good at it. I was good at football, too, but baseball just seemed to be one of those sports that just clicked for me right off the bat. So in high school, when did it become more than just a dream that you thought there might be a professional future as a reality? Well, that kind of started when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, I had, um, you know, I just, uh, you know, I had some pretty good numbers, you know, in my freshman year, but then in, in my sophomore year, I was having a pretty good year and, uh, you know, parents were talking about it and, and teammates were talking about scouts being at the games, coming to watch me play. And that's kind of when I knew that, you know, when you get professional organization scouts come to your ball games, you know, you're pretty, <laughs> you're pretty, pretty much on a pretty good track. So you were drafted in the fourth round by the Braves, right, in the 1983? In the 83 draft, did you have any discussion with the Braves? Did you have any guess where you might be taken in the draft? The only only contact I had with the Braves was through my scout back then. And and I was... um, I was recruited by some colleges too, um, you know, University of Texas, Texas, and some other big colleges around Texas and Oklahoma. Um, and so I had to make that choice. You know, do I go to college um, and uh, you know get a degree, play baseball in college, or sign with the Braves? You know, out of high school. And I made, I went ahead and made that decision to go ahead and sign with the Braves organization. And I guess it was one of the best decisions of my life. <laughs> I would say that one worked out. Do you remember what your signing bonus was? Um, I believe it was uh, it was like twenty five thousand dollars. It wasn't much back then. You know, we're talking a long time ago, so kind of I don't want to 
giving you my age, but it's a long time ago. Well, you already did. You said 83. Yeah. So you're pretty much everybody. You do that math on that one. Um, yeah, exactly. What was your first stop in the minors, and how eye-opening was it? Well, you know, one of the craziest things is uh, when I was drafted, one of my best friends growing up was drafted also by the Braves, and he was a pitcher, uh, and we came up through the minors together after growing up together. His name was Kevin Kaufman. Yeah. So we get drafted. We get to Pirate City down in um, Bradenton, Florida, and two of the first people we meet um, is Mark Lemke and Urban Meyer. Hmm. So when I say Urban Meyer, people look at me like I'm crazy, but yes, Urban Meyer was drafted by the Braves within the Braves organization. Now, what kind of player was he? Well, he wasn't. He didn't play very long. He was an infielder. I mean, he he was a decent player. I think he made it uh, one more level up. Um, and then I'm not sure how he got into football, but um, but it looks like however he got into it was probably the best decision he ever made. <laughs> and it worked out for him. Uh, yeah. Was the transition what you expected to professional baseball, both on the field and living as a pro every day off the field? It, I mean, it, it took a little bit of an adjustment. First of all, you're 18, 19 years old. You leave at home for the first time. You're in a different state. You get a little homesick. Uh, the baseball is different because now you're playing with guys from all over the world, guys that didn't speak English. You heard a lot of Spanish, you know, that kind of thing. And, of course, not using aluminum bats and going to wood. So there was a lot of adjustments that you had to make. But, um, you know, I was just so focused on being the best player I could be um, that I just took care of myself and made sure I made it through. Well, and that's kind of what I want to talk about, right? So you didn't do the college route, which college life while you're doing your college work, I mean, there, there's a, you know, like there's an 18 to 20 year old party life that you live. Did you make up for that on the road at that time? Or were you just so focused I, that I got to do this, that you kept that separate? I, I, uh, I made sure I balanced everything out. You know, I mean, yeah, I had some fun here and there, uh, but I was always one of those people that took care of my body. Uh, I still uh, worked out, you know, going to the gym and making sure I took care of myself. I made sure that I diet. My diet was correct. Uh, didn't eat a lot of junk back then. And also, you know, I of course, you know, I had a few adult beverages here and there. <laughs> but I made sure, you know, that that uh, that didn't get in the way of me doing what I needed to do for the future. I'm sure you saw though teammates probably trying to balance that and not having as much success. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen guys that were drafted in the first round and had all the talent in the world, but just you know, they just couldn't. They couldn't battle their way through a lot of the obstacles that major league or that uh, baseball professional baseball players went through, and uh, it, it's it's sad to see that. But you can't you can't think about it. You got to put your blindfolders or, or put your um, your blinders on and just keep keep going. So, Ron, I was looking at your uh, stats. You were the minor league player of the year for the Braves in 1986, and you got the call mm-hmm. at the end of 1987. Take Correct. me through the phone call. Who who gave it to you? And, and after that, your reaction and, and how quickly were you on the phone with family? Well, Jim Beecham was our manager uh, in Greenville that year, and uh, we were on the road. And uh, I was having a really good year, and my phone rings in the hotel room, and and it's our manager, Jim Beecham, and he told me he needed to talk to me. Uh, So I go over to his room, and he gave me the news. And I sat there calmly, and I, you know, I thanked him for, you know, giving me the chance and and being, uh, being the manager that he was. Uh, and then I walked out calmly, but as soon as that door closed, 
I think I almost hit my head on the ceiling in the hallway. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how exciting uh, it was for me to uh, to know that I was my next step was was going to the major leagues. And so I made all the phone calls to my mom and dad, and and my mom cried, of course, and told me how proud she was. And uh, and my dad was he was army, so he was pretty much a serious person all the time, and he was just like that is awesome, and uh, you know make sure you stay focused and do what you have to do. So. Um, just, to, I mean, just one of those things in your life that you will never, ever forget. So where was your first major league game and who was the pitcher on the mound when you got in the box? So, uh, my first major league game was here in Atlanta. Um, and, um, I, I forgot who we were facing at the time. Um, I struggled a little bit, you know, the, off, coming off the bat, but then my first major league home run was off Nolan Ryan. Hmm. And so uh, another thing that you'll never forget, we were talking about a Hall of Famer here. Um, I got the ball back, but I was too afraid to go ask him to sign it for me. So <laughs> it never got signed. I thought, you know, Nolan Ryan was one of those guys that everyone feared, you know, especially some young rookie that just got called up. Uh, so uh, I was too afraid to go ask him to sign it. So we took the plunge, yes, at the Chernoff house. The big renovations are going on. So it comes down to making the right choices when you want to do some of these renovation projects. And for us, when it came down to flooring and carpet, we wanted to work with a great local company that we know could get the job done. That's why we turned to Peachwood Floor Coverings. I got a chance to meet Ryan Cornell and the great folks from Peachwood. When I say meet them, we got in touch with Ryan. 48 hours later, they came out to our home to start setting up measurements and looking at potential options for flooring and carpeting choices, it was beautiful. I love the process. It was just that easy. And right now, the process can be that easy for you. If you go to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, you can schedule a consultation. They'll come out to your home. And all this month, if you mention Matt, that's the promo code Matt, they're going to save you 10% on that flooring or carpet installation that you've always wanted. You want it easy, you want the process done quickly, and you want it to look beautiful. We're getting all that done with Peachwood Floor Coverings. Again, go online to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com or you can call them at 678-935-6901. Peachwood Floor Coverings. Big company quality, small company services. Home field advantage exists in baseball. Insurance, too. Your local trusted choice independent insurance agents are active members of your community. They'll always have your back. Find a local auto, home, or business insurance agent at trustedchoice.com. Folks, you just heard from Smoltzy, and you heard it from me as well. Clayton Rhodes and the Rhodes Group are my trusted choice for insurance agents. They've been my agent for a long time, and they serve all of Metro Atlanta. To get up to 10 auto insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes, visit roads-group.com slash churnoff today. That's roads-group.com slash churnoff. It's a new year, which means it's time to try something new. And I'm talking to you folks who have not yet tried the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. I hope you'll go see my friend Sean Daly. That's, get it, the Daily Draft. This is the ultimate sports bar experience. So as the football playoffs near, and then baseball's around the corner, knock on wood, and all the fun springtime things that will happen in Atlanta, you're going to want to enjoy it at the Daily Draft. It's downtown Woodstock on Main Street. What you're going to find, a craft beer bar, self-serve taps, uh, big screens all around you to catch every view of the big game. And when I say a big screen, they have a movie-sized screen with a front-row seat right in front of it that you can grab if you get there at the right time to enjoy all your favorite games. A chef-inspired menu with soup, salad, sandwiches, flatbreads, uh, you name it, they have everything to find everybody exactly what they want when you're going with the family, a boys' night, or a date night. 
TheDailyDraft.net is where you can find all the information about some of the nights like Trivia Night, Kids Eat Free Night, and more. TheDailyDraft.net. Go find them downtown Woodstock on Main Street. Tell them Matt sent you. You'll love The Daily Draft. Do you remember, like, the heartbeat and just your nerves? I mean, like, what is that? For, for a lot of us civilians, put us in that moment of just trying to control your emotion. Well, when you uh, – well, first of all, you walk into a major league rock locker room and, and you see all these guys like a Dale Murphy and Ken Overfill and guys that um, – you, you know, have been in the big leagues, they've been there, they've done that, maybe a future Hall of Famer, that kind of thing. And just, you're just in awe and you're just happy to be there. And I tried to soak up everything I could from those guys. Um, and, um, and that helped me out too. But walking out onto a major league baseball field for the first time, um, it, I mean, it, it's an out of body experience. I mean, it's just unbelievable. You look around at the stadium, it was Fulton County Stadium back at the time. And uh, you just you just know that um, it was a dream come true for you. Now, sadly, in those days, before the you know worm turned in the early '90s, it was kind of pick your seat day at Atlanta Fulton County, right? It was. I mean, I grew up here. I know what it was like. Um, your first full season in 1988, Ronnie. I don't mean to do this to you. You guys were 54 and 106. Yep. I, oh, I remember like it was yesterday, man. I mean. They were there were a lot of fans there. They were just dressed up as uh, empty seats. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean it was. Well, I mean, as of course you would, you know, you want to win. I don't care what uniform you put on or who you play for. Um, so I was just out there giving it my all. And you no, know, we we didn't have a very good ball club. But that, you know, myself and having Limke come up and Blouser and Justice and those guys, we kind of slowly trickled in and we kind of saw things starting to change a little bit. So, you know, it was, you know, 88 and 89 were years that you would, you know, you wanted to do better and you wanted the organization to do better, but we kind of knew better things were coming. Yeah. I've heard several guys. I've heard David talk about that. And I've heard, uh, you know, several of your teammates who came up in the minors sort of, you know, together, Lemke and Justice, and you mentioned Blouser. Mm-hmm. And Glavin was up here in, in 87, and Smoltz was traded for you. So you could see the nucleus being put together. It was just a matter of when it was all going to click. Yeah, and, you know, the Braves organization, Bobby Cox and, and John Scherholz, um when they made the effort to say, hey, we're going to turn this thing around and we're going to go get the guys. We already got a good young nucleus of guys, and we're going to go get some guys that can help us get over the top. And then you bring in a Pendleton and a Bream and those guys, Raphael Belliard. And I mean, it's just on and on and on. And then later on, Fred McGriff. I mean, that's what started that whole run of division titles. And it's just, it's so great to be a part of that and go back and remember how it all got started. Well, I want to, I want to do a deep dive on that, but go back a couple of years before for, for those who've forgotten, Ron Gant came up as a second baseman who played some third and also moonlighted as an outfielder in, in, Specifically, 1988. So, how comfortable or uncomfortable were you there when you came up? Yeah, well, you know, I thought I was pretty decent at second base, um, and um, I, I improved a little bit. But uh, for me, I thought outfield was the best spot for me. Then you had guys like Limke come up um, and be a really good, solid second baseman. That's why they moved me over to third, and that didn't go real well. So I played a few, a handful of games at third and, and just wasn't, it wasn't natural to me. Um, so the best thing that ever happened to me in my career was being moved to the outfield. Well, hindsight on that today, I'm sure it's easy, but take me through that 
conversation because no 21 or whatever you are, 22-year-old wants to hear that mm-hmm. i got to go back and, and, in essence, start over to learn a new position. It was hard. It was very hard to sit down with uh, with all the, the front office people and have them tell you, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to send you down. You're going to learn how to play a new position. And um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I can learn it here at the big league level. Uh, and then explain why, you know, it would be better to do it in the minor leagues. And I understood that. I mean, I gave it an effort, you know, to, to try to stay on the ball club. But um, the timing for me was right to go back down and learn how to play the outfield and then and then come back up and produce. And I ended up being a pretty good outfielder and uh, and made that transition. So um, it's one of those things where you're, when you switch positions like that, it works out because you're in a spot that you're comfortable. You don't have to worry about your defense. You just run down fly balls and get the ball back in the infield, and you can concentrate on hitting. So you'll hear that a lot uh, with outfielders. Well, that seemed to work because your 1990 season was remarkable. I mean, in a time when – we didn't have as many 30 home run hitters and those type of things. You hit over 300. You went 30-30 club. You came back and played the outfield. Again, the team wasn't yet where you wanted to be, but how just uh, for you, I mean, how like much of a uh, either emotional or just a piece of satisfaction to know I came back as a, an outfielder and all of a sudden I'm, I'm killing it at the plate. Yeah, you know, and that was a lot of that motivation for that year was you know hearing that well he's not going to be able to come back um and um and be at the big league level as an outfielder uh i just remember going home the off season before and just really really putting in the work in the off season um you know learning how to become a better outfielder hitting the gym eating right just really dedicated myself to focusing on having a good year the next year and that hard work really paid off for me in 1990 well that 1990 year was like a big transition it felt like for the organization right that's the year that murph gets dealt later in the year to philadelphia justice comes up after playing first to move to the outfield so as you said ron you guys start seeing the pieces in place with the young pitching you and justice in the outfield blousers one of the infielders lemke's coming up and then we'll get to 91 but did you kind of start to get an idea that we could be pretty good yeah, you know, um, there was um, after the year uh, 1990, there was um, a parade, and they wanted someone from the Braves to be in the parade uh, downtown. And I volunteered. So I get in the car, and I'm going through the parade, and I hear people yelling at us, Ah, oh, you Braves, man, y'all are terrible, man. Y'all need. And I told I, I, that entire route through the parade i kept telling everyone i said next year you're going to see a different team i've told i told everyone that um and sure enough 1991 uh we take off and fill up those seats man it was just it was i knew at the end of 1990 that we had something really really close coming and um that feeling was right well the feeling was right and as you alluded to a few moments ago charles comes in as the gm and i've had him on the pod before and talked to him about just the mindset. He's like, yeah, we got to improve with veterans. But he said the mindset from the grounds crew to making the field better, he said to the concessions, let alone everybody on the field, had to believe that that the old Braves were not going to be around. And I know Pendleton, when he signed, said the same. Bream brings in that veteran presence who was just in the playoffs. Otis and Belliard, like now all of a sudden it's the youth with the veterans who have won. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great great mixture and, it, and and you're right it was it wasn't just the players on the team and the front office people it was everyone that w- worked in the Braves organization I mean they com- completely turned the organization around 
um, hired a lot of great people that, you know, like you, you mentioned on the grounds crew. I know all those guys, like, I felt like I grew up with all those guys and we were like all like family. And then you bring in guys from the outside and they fit in right away. They're great guys. They're leaders. You learn from them. If you have any questions, you talk to them. Um, and just, it, it just made everything work like a well oil machine. Ron, I've said before, I, I was 14 years old in 1991, so maybe I was the perfect age. But that was the most fun as a sports fan I've ever had in my life rooting for any team. What was it like to be the mid-20s outfielder getting swept up in this baseball craze that, frankly, in Atlanta hadn't been there for more than a decade? It, it's, it's one of the best feelings I've ever had because, again, I was there those years where the team was not doing well and the fans were down on it. Baseball wasn't that big of a deal back then and after 91 you saw all kinds of different sports leagues pop up i mean travel baseball and you know the whole city just kind of got behind us and it, it was amazing to be a part of um because that's what you work so hard for is to you know get to the big leagues you know do your best to do your personal best but also help a team win ball games and that's that's the that's the best thing about the sport is winning well, you listen, the baseball part of it was was the driving force, but being around our city that year, it was like, I describe it to people, imagine going to a baseball game that felt like a football game with <laughs> like a party between the, the fan interaction and then, you know, the, the next morning after late night West Coast games and like I'd never seen this city like that. I don't know that I'll ever see it like that again. What was it like for you when you weren't on the field just making your way around the city? great i mean we uh, you know of course we'd go out here and there after games and stuff like that together a lot of the players did and everywhere we went it was like we were rock stars man it was just people even to today will send me messages like man i used to run into you such and such man you guys were awesome it was great back then uh the, the city just i mean everyone just loved us and and we we embraced it you know we we treated everyone like we've known them you know forever that kind of thing and they they really got behind us and it was it was on and off the field so that that gave you motivation too so i mean it's not just the people that come to the ball games but it's just how people would treat us when we were out and about so we took the plunge yes at the churnoff house the big renovations are going on so it comes down to making the right choices when you want to do some of these renovation projects and for us when it came down to flooring and carpet, we wanted to work with a great local company that we know could get the job done. That's why we turned to Peachwood Floor Coverings. I got a chance to meet Ryan Cornell and the great folks from Peachwood. When I say meet them, we got in touch with Ryan. 48 hours later, they came out to our home to start setting up measurements and looking at potential options for flooring and carpeting choices. It was beautiful. I love the process. It was just that easy. And right now, the process can be that easy for you. If you go to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, you can schedule a consultation. They'll come out to your home. And all this month, if you mention Matt, that's the promo code Matt, they're going to save you 10% on that flooring or carpet installation that you've always wanted. You want it easy, you want the process done quickly, and you want it to look beautiful. We're getting all that done with Peachwood Floor Coverings. Again, go online to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, or you can call them at 678 Nine three five six nine zero one. Peachwood Floor Coverings, big company quality, small company services. Hey, are you tired of shopping your car and home insurance every single year? Well, somebody's got to do it, but that somebody doesn't have to be you. 
At The Rose Group, we can get you up to 10 insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes. Visit us online today at rose-group.com. It's a new year, which means it's time to try something new. And I'm talking to you folks who have not yet tried the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. I hope you'll go see my friend Sean Daly. That's, get it, the Daily Draft. This is the ultimate sports bar experience. So as the football playoffs near, and then baseball's around the corner, knock on wood, and all the fun springtime things that will happen in Atlanta, you're going to want to enjoy it at the Daily Draft. It's downtown Woodstock on Main Street. What you're going to find, a craft beer bar, self-serve taps, uh, big screens all around you to catch every view of the big game. And when I say a big screen, they have a movie-sized screen with a front-row seat right in front of it that you can grab if you get there at the right time to enjoy all your favorite games. A chef-inspired menu with soup, salad, sandwiches, flatbreads, uh, you name it, they have everything to find everybody exactly what they want when you're going with the family, a boys' night, or a date night. TheDailyDraft.net is where you can find all the information about some of the nights like Trivia Night, Kids Eat Free Night, and more. TheDailyDraft.net. Go find them downtown Woodstock on Main Street. Tell them Matt sent you. You'll love The Daily Draft. So the highest of highs, I mean, the, the race with the Dodgers, you guys get to pop champagne and celebrate that one. The win over Pittsburgh, which surprised a lot of people. Uh, and, of course, when you go from the highest of highs to the Lowest of lows with one of the great World Series of all time. You guys have a 3-2 lead. It doesn't end up the way you wanted it to, which I'm going to talk to you about some of those moments in a moment in a second. But, like, do you remember that feeling when Game Seven's over? Yeah. I mean, uh, you you kind of you, – you just – you feel that slipping away and actually knowing that you were so close to winning a World Series. And, you know, it – it, it, I'm still not over it. I mean, you you put it in the past and you move on. But it, I mean, just sometimes if I'm just watching the Braves, even now, I think back to that World Series and realize how close we got to winning it. And I mean, it still hurts. I mean, you, there's there's no you don't, you never ever get over it. I mean, you you have a part in your life where you feel like it's missing and it's that that world series is it for me let me talk to you about two things about that one i've heard pendleton say over and over he's convinced that inside the metrodome they were messing with the the air conditioning Mm -hmm. to help the twins when they were up and he said Mm -hmm. conversely it was the other way when you guys were up did you echo those sentiments i you know we suspected that and um there was there was a couple you know you you may remember this um the catch that Kirby Puckett made up against the plexiglass. Oh yeah, I hit that ball, yep. and I thought everyone uh, when I got back to the dugout, everyone in the dugout thought, "Man, I crushed that ball," and it did not go go out of the ballpark. And then you see guys on their team reach out and hit home runs. I mean, like it was just we thought something was going on, and I thought like a few years ago the guy that was doing that admitted it. He so, might have, yeah. Uh, I, you know, we might, might have to fact check that, but that's <laughs> what I heard. So we were definitely suspected that something was going on. All right. So the infamous moment on first base with Kent Herbeck, <laughs> yeah. um, take me through that moment. And, um, like today with replay with that, is that something you think, could they replay that? Um, I, I, I would think that the, you would be able to, to replay that. I mean, that's a huge call and a huge game and a huge series. Um, 
if we had replay, I believe they would have replayed it. Would they have overturned it? I don't. I don't know. Um, you know, I've seen calls on replay. You know, some this year that were went one way at that. that uh, I didn't think it was going to go. So, um, but it was just it's one of those plays that could have kind of turned the game around. And I just remember vividly getting the base hit, rounding first really hard in case one of the outfielders bobbled it or they loafed on the ball, I could make it to second base. Uh, they got the ball back in quickly, of course. And uh, the one thing that I regret uh, is that I should have went back in um, head first uh, because if I would have done that, there would have been no way he could have pulled me off the bag. So that was my one regret in that series. Have you ever talked to him about it? Um I talked to him briefly, um, um, yeah, a little bit after the season. Um, there was a phone call between us, and I just told him, "Hey, I understood. There was no way, you know, that uh, you know that I was upset about it or any of that thing." And then, and I ended up finding that finding out they made a couple of bobbleheads of that play, <laughs> and I had to sign them. So, oh boy, that was kind of hard to sign those bobbleheads. Yeah. So, um, 92, you guys get back to the World Series. But for you specifically, take me back. The numbers probably weren't where you wanted them. There were some ups and downs, and, and I know there was some juggling in the outfield going on. So yep. what what happened there in 92? Yeah, um, I got um, – we get to the World Series against Toronto. And um, I, I have to admit, I didn't play as well as I wanted to. I, I think I put too much pressure on myself to, to do too much. Um, so Bobby kind of used uh, all of us in the outfield, and Deion Sanders ended up getting uh, some starts in the outfield. And, look, he did pretty darn good. I mean, I have to give it to him. He played well. Um, if we could have won that series, he would have been considered one of the best players in that series. Yeah, he hit over 400 in that series. You know? Yes, he did. What uh, what kind of teammate was Dion? do you remember? Oh, he's so much fun to be around. He's so much different in person than what people see out in public or in the media. I mean, he was such a fun teammate to be around, always positive, always smiling and laughing and bringing that energy. And, of course, on the field, his he was so electric, man. We just we had fun playing with him. So the uh, the moment again before the World Series, of course, the, the, the Sid Bream slide, the Cabrera hit. People don't remember, though, you hit a ball, Ron, that yeah. I thought when you hit it, it was a grand slam, and it just it died at the wall to be that close. And every, everybody wants to be the hero. Uh, you ended up scoring a run, but, uh, like, did you think you got that ball? Yeah, it was a sacrifice fly that um, I wish it would have been more. I mean, I I, I knew I hit it pretty good, um, but it, it wasn't one of those ones where I knew it was gone off the bat. Um, and it ended up taking Bonds to, uh, you know, up against the wall, and he caught it for a sacrifice fly, which actually ended up being an important run. But, uh, yeah, I came that close to actually even, uh, you know, not having that Cabrera hit, you know, the biggest part of the game. Yeah. Well, you bounced back in a huge way in 93 with another big year, and you guys again were in the postseason, but that was that incredible pennant race with the Giants. And, unfortunately, it ended yeah. with, the, with the loss to the Phillies. Do you think, you know, I've heard a lot of your teammates kind of either speculate or, or think back to it that maybe you guys used up all the Petro with the comeback against the Giants when you got to the postseason there wasn't a ton left? Yeah, you know, and you you uh, you have to give it to the Phillies because they they played some inspired baseball. I mean, they that was a good, a really good ball club. Um, I thought we had the better ball club. Um, 
we we really like every game for like the last month was like a playoff game for us and so um yeah i, I believe it you know we we got emotionally spent there towards the end maybe trying to put too much into you know playing every game like it was a playoff game and cause there were some moments in that series against the Phillies that we could have changed or turned the series around and it just didn't happen I mentioned you had an unbelievable year in 93 and then you signed a new deal with the Braves and then as we all remember the awful uh bike accident um like take me through that day or that memory I mean I, it's it's one of those things I'm sure you'd love to forget but uh in retrospect I mean give me a little memory on just um the, the course of your career changing yeah, it was a it was a few weeks before spring training in 1994, um, and of course everyone knows I wipe out on the dirt bike and break my leg. But um, it, it's you know as I was laying there uh, in the hospital, I, I knew there was a chance that um, there, you know one day I could could not play baseball again or make my way back to the majors. Um, it was a major injury. I mean, I still have the rod in my leg to this day that Dr. Chandler put in. Uh, and there was a couple of moments here and there where, you know, I shed a tear because I, I it was so unsure what was going to happen uh, in my future. Um, but as soon as I could get out of that cast and start training, man, I, I tell you, I was, there was probably no one on the planet as, as focused as I was trying to get back to play the game. Did you, and, and I don't know if it's human nature or not, did you have any ill feelings towards the Braves that they didn't they say, let's stick it out longer, or is it just business that they went another direction? No, I understood. You know, I wasn't going to play um, the entire year. Um, it was, at the time, the biggest one-year contract in baseball, um, and so I understood that it was a business decision for them. But it was also inspiration when I did come back uh, and play against the Braves, um, I use that as motivation. Well, you had enough motivation, right? In 95, you had a really good year for the Reds. You guys play the Braves yeah. in the NLCS. You yeah. saw them again with the Cardinals, if memory serves. The following the year. The following yeah. year. So, like, I mean, did you start thinking, well, hey, they're going to be good every year, but, man, it's like they're in my way to try to get to what I want as the uh, ultimate yeah. goal. Two years in a row, the Braves um, beat teams that I was on to go to the World Series. Of course, they win it in 1995. Uh, um, I was with the Phillies, and like I mean, uh, with the Reds, like you said. And then the next year, I was with the Cardinals. And we were up in that series on them and pretty much ready to clinch the series. And Chipper had a talk with the team, and the next thing you know, they came out swinging. Um they end up going on and beating us in that series. So I thought, man, what am I? What is it going to take? What am I going to have to do to get through the Braves to get to the World Series? But um, you know, I was happy for those guys in '95. That's for sure. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about, right? You've got a bunch of friends and teammates who won the ring, but does it give you a little like empty feeling that you could have been a part of it? Yeah, it does. It does. It really does. Um, I understand that. I can't go back and change anything because uh, if I, I would, if I could, I would go back and not get on that dirt bike, but. I understood that, um, you know, that's a part of the game. Um, you know, yeah, do I feel like I was one of those guys that deserved to get one of those World Series rings on that team? Sure. Um, but, hey, you know, it is what it is. You move on. But I'm happy for those guys. Now, I'm going to guess that wasn't the first time you jumped on a, a motorbike. So how much were you into some of that stuff and, you know, looking back? I, I, I did it. I yeah. did it when I was a kid, you know. Um, of course, I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't trying to be a professional or anything. I just did it for fun. 
And it was just one of those things. It was a freak accident. I was making a jump, and it, I just lost control when I hit the other side. And I'd, I made jumps hundreds of times before that over and over again, and nothing ever happened. It was just one of those things that uh, it, it happened at the wrong at the wrong place at the wrong time. Ron, your career numbers, I mean, they speak for themselves. You had a long career. We talked about Braves and St. Louis and Phillies. You went to Oakland and uh, San Diego and Colorado when it went on. You played what, a total of 16 seasons. Um, yes. Is there is there anything, you know, everybody wants a world championship. Everybody wants the, mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame. But, like, looking back at your career, do you feel like you, A, accomplished everything you want? Is there anything missing from the career on the field? Well, you know, I I, I feel like I, I achieved a lot of things that I didn't think could happen, like, the, you know, going back-to-back 30-30 seasons you know, playing in the World Series, which every player wants to do. You don't know those things are going to happen. You just go out there and play and, um, and and contribute. And then, you know, sometimes you just find yourself in that situation. But, um, you know, I I believe if um, if it not for for that major injury, I, I could have been, you know, I put could have put up put up a, a lot better numbers and had another chance at making the Hall of Fame. It was great to be on the Hall of Fame ballot. Um, you know, I knew I was I didn't have the, uh, the complete numbers to get in, but it was definitely an honor to be on it. Well, the other thing about you at the time is, like, we didn't see guys in the kind of shape and condition you were in back then. It, it didn't seem to really come into the game until maybe even the late 90s into the 2000s. So, yeah. Because I used to hear this about, well, maybe Ron's too big to get the bat through the zone yeah. and the arms. I mean, like, that stuff was was being said. Did you pay attention to any of that? Oh yeah, I absolutely. I, I I heard that a lot, but I wasn't gonna let anything deter me. I, I love the game. I love to take care of myself. Always, you know, always did work out through high school, everything. Um, and so that was, you know, that was part of my routine was working out and getting strong and and being ready for a long major league baseball season. You know, 162 games. You gotta have some kind of endurance, and so that was my motivation. And I wasn't gonna let anything take that away from me i played the game hard i played it right i played it clean and so um i'm proud of that so life after baseball did you know you wanted to start off in the sports broadcasting angle of it or like what did you think was going to be post baseball (laughs) absolutely not i had no idea what the heck i was going to do man uh you know i played like you said i played a long time um and um after i retired um I was asked to, you know, go into a couple of sports radio segments and, you know, here and there. And it just kind of snowballed from there. You know, the guys from TBS heard me on the radio and asked me to come in and audition. So I did that and worked for them for a little bit. And then, of course, the same thing with Fox Sports South. Um, I joined them for a few years. And then the people at Fox 5 called me. Um, And um, I've been there at Fox 5 for almost seven years now. Well, talk to me about that because I was talking to some coworkers here, and I think it's great because I'm old enough to know your career, and it wasn't that long ago. But I, I'm going to guess there's a segment of people who are like, "Oh yeah, that's the news guy in the morning on Fox Five, and go, oh yeah, he played baseball too." Like that's a that's a complete turnover of a, of a career. You're absolutely right. So now when I go out in public, I'm not sure I'll get that look. Like people look at me like I know I know him, but I'm not sure if they <laughs> they know it from the sports part of it or from the morning news 
anchor part of it. So uh, it's kind of fun to get people's reaction. It was like, you know, I'll be walking around and somebody will say, hey, you're the, you're the guy from the news. <laughs> and I'll say, yes, sir. You know, uh, so sometimes, yeah, it's kind of half and half. It's yeah. either the Braves, Ron Gant, or the news anchor, Ron Gant. How tough of a job is that and was the tra- uh, the transition? Oh, man, let me tell you. Okay, so baseball hours, you know, of course, matter late. Um, you know, you your game's at 7, 7.30, whatever. By the time you get home for, you know, God forbid, extra innings or whatever, <laughs> um, you know, you don't get in bed till you know, one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. And now I'm almost getting up at that time. My alarm is set for 3.30. Oh. And so that's been the biggest adjustment oh. for me. Um, and uh, just trying to get used to those hours um, has, you know, I'm still not, I've been there almost seven years now, and I'm still not used to them, but I've gotten better with it. Yeah, I don't know that you'll ever get used to it. Yeah, I know. Listen, two things you don't get to used to, those hours and makeup. Exactly, and that's the other one. I'm, uh, I got, you know, I wear makeup now. I'm, I'm not afraid to say it, but I never thought I would have to say that. Ronnie, let's uh, let's finish up with this. Give me your greatest professional uh, achievement. I, I mean, if you know, again, every baseball player that puts on the uniform wants to win a World Series or at least play in a World Series. I did that. But, of course, personally, the back-to-back 30, 30 home run seasons and joining that club with those uh, famous and great players, um, that's probably the, my proudest uh, achievement in my career. All right. What about uh, personally? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I end up having um, a really good long career. That You know, that was one of the things that um, – it's it's rare in all of sports to have a long career. Longevity is is a part of the game that uh, a lot of people cannot achieve. So, you know, personally for me, being able to uh, emotionally, mentally overcome all the obstacles, I've proved to myself that I can overcome anything in life. And I've done that through my professional career so far, even, you know, with the, the anchor job. It's it's a tough job when you've never done it before, but mentally I stuck with it and I and I powered through and now I feel really good about how I, I've uh, achieved that as well. Well, congratulations on all the success, both on the field and now sitting behind the news desk. I know a lot of Atlanta fans love hearing about the old stories and the great memories. Ron, we appreciate you, uh, you staying with yeah. us and sharing that. Yeah, it was a blast, man. Matt, thank you. Thanks, everybody, so much for taking the time to listen to this week's edition of Welcome to Atlanta. Thanks to our producer, Matt Lear, for his assistance with the program. He's the glue that keeps the operation running. We'll talk to you next week on Welcome to Atlanta. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming And parties don't stop till 8 in the morning Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming uh-huh. And parties don't stop yeah. till 8 uh-huh. in the morning Now the party don't start till I walk in And I usually don't leave until the thing is But in the meantime, since the plane died We don't stop The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com 
Then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. <sighs> or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com. 